Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and my cast is as follows. C. Thomas plays Oka Hien, an Osamar Bloodhunter. Max Guo plays Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra Artificer. Erica Flaidlin plays V. Nakshirzo, an Elf Sorcerer. Hamna Shahid plays Jaron Kader, a Dragonborn Rogue. Dare Hickman plays Gentle, a Triton Monk. Quinn B. Rodriguez plays Sidlali, a Changeling Cleric. And Austin Knight plays Abiku Ishtar, a Reborn Goliath Ranger. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include complex and complicated relationships, death, war, heights, darkness, enclosed spaces, body horror, fantasy violence, gore, and monsters and monstrosity. Arc 5, Episode 10. When Ake arrives, put it on paper. From Yesterday I Was the Moon by Noor Unahar. There is light in the valley, flame red and flickering, pinpricks of hope against a blanket of shadow. But there is darkness too. Darkness complete and seething, a silent roar into an indifferent void, a tar black ocean of nothing. Massive craters pockmark the ground around your camp. Pockets of upturned earth blemish the gently rolling hills all around you, chunks of scattered rock and dirt shattered all about your feet like tombstones. A spiky film of bone marrow spackles the winter grass like crimson seedlings. The smell of smoke, ash, and blood clots your nostrils, A cold breeze sweeps a cloud of black dust southward, a chilly reminder of the hunter and its empty hound. Dewey, we find you crumpled against an icy boulder, the remnants of your god jar smashed between your feet. The weave still stings of Galtinger's presence, invisible threads of radiant heat twining through the air around you. But Galtinger's not here, She's gone. She left. And there is nothing more lonely than the feeling of warmth from the sun draining away from your body. What do you do? I think there's a moment of stunned silence as Dewey looks at the pile of fragments of Godjar at his feet. And then slowly, without meeting anyone's eyes, he just turns, leaves the pile there, and heads towards... I guess the tents haven't been set up yet. They're like halfway erected. 
Okay, so he awkwardly goes in like tent and like sets it up the rest of the way and goes in and zips the door closed with a decisive zip. <laughs> Very decisively. While Dewey is dealing with this uh, tent, I think V is just like stunned silence. Uh, her face is just blank for a bit as she just watches Dewey struggle with this tent and when he goes in and like zips it up she looks over to Rev I think I'm gonna kill that little pigeon V do what you must but don't actually kill him I make no promises and I think V goes over to the tent with a quick pace and like tries to unzip it but I think Dewey's done something to like jam the zipper from the inside Dewey, open your tent right now! Uh, I think as V's messing with the zipper, Dewey, like, slaps at it uh, from the inside to, like, get her hands off of it. But he's not answering. V looks over at Rev and Abiko and just, like, shakes her head and then casts Dimension Door. You see a bright purple light. And inside of the tent, boom, bright green light that flashes real quick in Dewey's face. And there's V. Can you not? Dewey? What? By the Almighty Eight, what was that? That was me getting rejected by Galtanger. You saw it. Can you leave me alone? No, that was not you getting rejected. That was you rejecting Galtanger. You had your chance. You had your... You had Galtanger right there being like, Hey, it's my Paragon. About time. And you said no. Here's my God Jar. What's wrong with you? No, you know what rejected is, Dewey? When I found Scott and he decided, oh, let me just reach into your chest, pull out your heart, show it to you and say, no, you're, I'm not your God. That's rejection, Dewey. That is what rejection looks like. I think Dewey like tries to go to the other corner of the tent, but it's a one person tent. So he sort of just like sits, he sits down in a corner of the tent and folds his arms. Why, Dewey? She doesn't want me, this para- this paragon. I know she doesn't. And yeah, the, the jar is not ideal. I don't know. I don't know why I can't do it. Dewey, we don't get to choose, right? Do you think I would have chosen to be a paragon? Do you think I would have chosen to have to do what we're apparently going to have to do these final eight months of our lives? No offense, V, but you live like you're dying anyways. Dewey, <laughs> I didn't get 110 years old by simply, oh, I don't know, just trying to die. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Like, what are you waiting for to do something worthwhile? Like, do something for yourself, for Endake, for your daughter? Don't talk about my family. What are you gonna do? Come on, what would you? What would your daughter think right now, looking at you the way you are? Don't say it. Don't what? What do you know about disappointing your family? My mother died very, very, very long time ago. I've never known my father. During the carnival, I saw my father. You know how we all had our little own moments, and all he did was tell me how much of a disappointment I was. You know that we were being confronted by our greatest fears? My greatest fear? Being rejected by 
the one piece, the one family member I have left in my life, possibly that I've never met. Don't even know if they, tr if he truly exists. Don't know. Might be a dragon for all I know. You know what that's like. I know what it's like to have a dragon in my life just as much as you know what it's like to have someone there you have to see every day and answer to every day. Have you not seen Rev? Rev's different. Dewey, what's it gonna take? What are you so afraid of? The last time I made a big decision to go work for the URL, they turned me into a monster. And I wasn't strong enough to realize it then, and I'm afraid I'm not strong enough now to know if I'm doing something wrong. When you got hired by the URL, did you ask anybody around you if maybe this was a good idea? No, they have a very strict non-disclosure policy. Maybe that should have been your first red flag, Dewey. You've got several of us who you've known now for a while. We've saved each other's lives over and over and over again. You have? The rest of you have? Whose life, whose life have I saved? Okay, well, nobody's, but... Exactly. <laughs> We're waiting for you, Dewey, though. We... It's been a year. Shouldn't I, have, shouldn't I have done something miraculous to prove I'm a paragon by now? All I did was build a fucking vase. And then that got stolen. And I got betrayed by my friends. And then I built another one. And then I got rejected by a glowing cow. So I did the opposite of saving the rest of your lives. Supposedly you fought Siebert, though I still have no proof of it. I didn't fight him. I just pissed him off enough that he left me alone. Oh, you know what? Pissing off Sievert is one minor victory. This is a gun shard we're talking about, though. Yeah. This is your opportunity. The gods... Look, when I took Skod and Nectus, do you remember what I was like the first few days, weeks? I was n nervous. I, I thought now I have to be, like, behaved. I have to, like, be something I'm not. I have... I had all this pressure that I put on myself. And then I stole something from somebody and I felt so much better. So, you know, I'm still me. I still get to be Vasante Nakshurzo. I still care and love Rev and Lotus. I've got friends, Oka, you. Even though I'm really, really pissed at you right now. I might even be Obiku's friend. I'm not sure yet. We're not full. Um, I'm not sure where any of us stand there. V, um reaches into a little pouch that she's got uh, on her waist and she got like a full really neatly folded up couple pieces of paper and she unfolds it and she hands it to Dewey. Oh no, is this a contract? Dewey would read like the first lines that says the last will and testament of Vasante Nakshurzo on it. What? What is this? This is my will for after this is all said and done and we've and we've died. Read the last paragraph. The last paragraph says, To Hana Quirk, I leave in a trust all of my gold, jewelry, deeds, and any profits from my business. I may never meet you, but you're the hope for our future. May this serve you well. What is this? A joke? No. When I die, whatever valuable stuff I still own, if, assuming I still, it still exists, I'm giving it to your kid. The best thing you can ever do is die for your loved ones. I think maybe on that, 
with like Dewey studying this letter, looking at V's surprisingly genuine face. We are going to cut away from the interior of this tent to the exterior of the camp itself. Uh, where we find Rev. She's sort of like hunched over in front of, I think like the campfire that sort of dwindled down, maybe like a stray wind from the hunters, big stomp like blew it out in the fight. And she's in the middle of like rekindling it, right? Not with magic, but with just flint, uh, flint and some tinder that she's gathered. And she's striking the flint, sort of hunched over her big uh, feather dappled obsidian cape fluttering in like the dusty breeze behind her. Uh, and Abiku, it's just you and Rev out there while V and Dewey have a kind of loud argument uh, inside Dewey's tent. What do you do? Um, do you want me to just, I, do, do, I, do you want help with the fire? I can, I could just light it. You know, I could just light it with a little bit of magic as well, but there's something about making something with your own hands that just feels better. You know what I mean? Yes, I do, actually. I, I, yes, that is something that makes sense to me. Do you mind bringing those logs over here? Oh, yes, of course. Uh, sorry. Uh, get up, go get the logs. Um, should we check on them? Like, gestures to the tent. Rev looks askance uh, at the tent and then glances back at you, Abiku, and says, They're fine. Uh, we've uh, argued a lot in the past. Uh, our party is no stranger to disagreements within our group, as you'll come to understand. They'll work it out. Oh, okay. That That is good. I, I'm still so... It was just was so different when I was with the other people, and I, I clearly have a lot to learn. But as long as everyone is okay, I, I guess it is okay. It's just a lot of yelling for friends but i i guess i d don't remember what having a friend is like so who, who am i uh thank thank you for um earlier you're welcome i uh i don't know why it just sun looked like they were in trouble and v well she was also in trouble but i had a feeling she could handle herself i mean i love her and i'd do anything to protect her but she can also kick ass uh, and I just wanted to make sure that your friend pet was okay a friend yes no it, it, these very I, she, the, the fire thing that that was I, I cannot do that that is it's kind of scary um and son is just you know I I don't know how old they are but it feels like they are young you know when they talk I guess you don't hear them talk but it feels like talking to someone young, so it, I, I thank you. Rev sort of sits back down, and I think like after you've brought the logs over, she has struck a little bit of a flame, and the fire takes, and the tongues of flame sort of lick hungrily over to the logs, and soon you hear like crackling and popping as like flames start sizzling. You smell the burning of wood smoke, uh, and Rev sort of sits back on her like haunches and like looks at you. You know, Abiku, when I first woke up, I had forgotten how complicated the world was. All I really understood was rage and pain and death and killing. There was no room in myself or my heart for anything else like joy or love or all the nuances that come with vengeance. But you know, after meeting V, and Oka and Manaya and Dewey, I've come to embrace those complications. It's 
a part of being alive, or at the very least not dead. No one's right or wrong all the time, but I do know that killing the myriad is important to me in the same way that finding a way out of this mess is important to Dewey. So when Dewey gets in the way of my journey, of course I'm gonna get pissed, I'm gonna get mad. And I'm allowed to be mad at him, you know what I mean? Just like how he's allowed to sulk right now and his plans don't work out. Yes, I have been... I know I am strange, so follow me, please. Um, not literally, like figuratively. I, I know I talk yeah, very Yeah, no, I, I got that, yeah. Do you sleep? Sleep, for me, is optional, but it makes me a more alert fighter, I found. Unfortunately, whenever I do sleep, uh, I'm sure you learned this from Vasca and Costas, I am afflicted by the same recurring nightmare. Yes, I... so I ask that because I, I do not sleep. I have not tried, but it does... I tried... it doesn't work, but you have a lot of extra time to think when you don't sleep, and I... I did not mean to upset you or... V or Dewey or anyone I when I woke you mentioned when you woke up when I woke up I didn't have rage or vengeance or joy or hunger or thirst or anything really I woke up sun greeted me I asked where we were and who they were and they were not sure I found my bow, it had a name, I assumed that was my name, and we started walking because I didn't know what else to do. I I don't think I used my voice until I found until the doctor found me, and I don't think I experienced an emotion until I had to leave the homestead the first time. I'm trying to figure it out and I guess I just thought if I'm being helpful, then I'm not being hurtful, but I still have a lot to figure out. There's no god of fate in Endake, Abiku. We speak of destiny often. I learned in too long that dream prophets think of fate as a river, one with divergences, uh, places in time when we decide the kind of person we're gonna be and the kind of world we want to create. But outside of those divergences, fate just flows and there's no correcting a river from its course. So I don't know if it's destiny that brought you back, Abiku, or maybe just sheer plain coincidence. But whatever it is, I'm glad you're here. What's important to you? What's important to me? Yeah, vengeance is important to me. Figuring a way out of this, of his own destiny, I think is important to Dewey. Love is important to V. Family's important to Oka. What's important to you? I... I think it sits quiet for a moment and looks across at the fire, looks to Rev. I want to prove that I'm better than whatever I was before. What makes I, you think you were bad before? I did not share this um, when I had the vision or memory or whatever it was, but I remembered a battlefield and there were people getting hurt 
and there was there were people there were people that were like turning into dragons and other people that were very t- t- like taller than me and I was killing a, a lot of people apparently I killed 52 people that day alone I uh, I apparently used to have a lot of friends but they all liked me because I killed very good and I and looks at Rev I don't want to just kill very good what do you want then I I want to help people and sometimes that means you have to fight things and gestures to where the huntsman was and sometimes you have to protect people and but it is different to fight the monsters that we fight. I was killing people. Sounds like you were a soldier during wartime. And Dake hasn't seen war in over 400 years. And before that, not since the Gambit of Queens. And before that, not since the thousand year war between dragons and giants. Abiku, you're a good markswoman. You're a fantastic sharpshooter. That's very obvious to me. You know your way around a bow. The power you have, the same power that lets you kill, is the exact same power that lets you protect. Power in and of itself, eh, I don't think it's a bad thing. The Raven Queen, fate, decreed that she would choose me, and for a long time I didn't really know what that meant until... Until I had something worthy to protect. Until I had V. And she looks down at, like, the wedding ring, like, on her finger, right? I think now I know, for me, what I'm going to use my power for. And it's to protect the people I love. And to protect the people who don't have the same power as me. So yeah, you could use that bow to kill people. Innocents. Other soldiers. Or you could use it to fight the stranger and help us. No one else can take that decision from you. I, it is never a doubt in my mind. I will help you all fight because I can do it. And if I can do it, then why not do it for that sake alone? But I struggle with the other part. You all have something. I mean, you have V and V has you and you have other people and Dewey has a family and everyone has all these connections. And I've made friends and I've made connections, but... It is weird to not remember what it is like to love, but to know you don't have it. There's a pause, and like Rev, sort of her face lit by the flickering flames across the fire from you, studies you very closely, right? One black eye, one gold eye. And after a while, she says, the only thing I knew when I woke up was vengeance. Vengeance and grief. Because I had lost someone. I would lost someone I loved with my entire heart and she was not coming back. So, if you can't remember who you were or what mattered to you, Abiku, let's help you find it, huh? Let's help you remember. If you think you have time, you are all quite busy. We have to find Galtenga against Badui and then there's this whole stranger thing. But if you think you have... Uh, Abiku is like looking down. She is trying to not show Rev that she is crying. Uh, Rev just sort of like lets you sort of like 
fumble onward, I think, and like very like chivalrously like doesn't acknowledge that you're crying <laughs> right in front of her. Uh, but she does sort of like silently like hand you a stick that she's been using to prod at the fire. You know, she hands you the stick so you can manage the fire. And she says, yeah, of course, Galtanger first. Hey, and if you get any more visions, I think it's safe to say that we don't distrust you in the same way that we used to anymore. You can share those visions with us. And if you don't feel comfortable sharing them with Dewey or V, I'm... I'm always here. Oh, okay. So yeah, there was 52 people. There were giants and there were dragons. And I think it was that war you keep talking about. The th um, yeah, the Thousand Year was... War. Yeah, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that you came back from over, what, like 10,000 years ago? That's... That's a lot. Yes, I would... That's that seems like a big number. I, I will be honest, I did not learn... The doctor and me only got to about 150 in mathematics. It, it, counting lessons, right, okay, yeah, yeah. L listen, uh, if you get any visions or dreams again, I'm an open ear. Oh, okay. I, I appreciate that. It was Anytime. really cool what you did with the safe. That was... Yeah, I know. Grim's pretty badass. It's a cool trick. <laughs> I think... <laughs> I think, like, the, the conversation, like, awkwardly... <laughs> Peter's out where, like, turns toward, like, Rev, she summons Grimm and, like, shows you, you know, like, hold, like hands you the scythe and, like, shows you how cool Grimm is, right? Um, and I think it's at this point that, like, we fade out of this scene. The dawn comes, as it always does, gray and cold and sunless. The fur-lined flap of a gur ripples open and a tall, muscular, half-orc woman steps into the early dawn. She ties her black hair back in practical braids, and behind her we see a massive hill bristling with trees casting a long shadow over her clan's camp, a colorful collection of girls' tents and fences. And as the woman approaches a wooden stable, she shrugs on a thick fur-lined cape, her breath escaping her tusked mouth in thick plumes of white. Also approaching the pen is a short and chubby Earth Ganassi woman. Her smooth gray skin shines like marble veined with harmless cracks, and her hair is made of vines peppered by winter flowers. The Ganassi hands the half-orc a bucket of feed, but before either of them can get to their horses, the ground trembles. The clanmates exchange a surprised and anxious look, and then we see it. In the distance, but stampeding closer and closer with every passing moment not yet darkened by the massive shadow of this hill, is the Great Herd. Hundreds strong, dust ballooning in its wake, a menagerie of horses, cows, zebras, elephants, rhinos, deer, any and every kind of creature in Kirtal and beyond, trampling over the earth, hides foaming with sweat, running, running running. A desperate chorus of whinnies erupts from this stall, and like the howling of a lone wolf, this noise is contagious, and it spreads to the next stall over, and the next and the pen after that, until this clan's entire camp is rent asunder with the noise of bellowing and straining animals, and the half-orc pulls the Ganassi out of the way just in time as wood explodes from the stall they were approaching, and we see frenzied horses and cows and donkeys and sheep breaking free of their pen galloping toward that free-running herd in the near distance. 
urgent shouts break through this camp as people stumble out of their gurs, pulling on boots, shrugging on scarves, jackets, running after their animals, but it's too late. The village gathers at the western edge of their camp, the half-orc and the ganasi clustered amongst them, and they watch powerlessly as their animals and their livelihood, their friends, their companions, race down the sloping grass to heed the call of Galtanger. Dewey, you, Abiku, V, and Rev have been riding your own horses for two days and two nights now, uh, following the telltale tracks of the hunter and the herd. Your party, thankfully, is faster uh, than both the lumbering hunter, which only appears at night, uh, and the herd, uh, which is bogged down by hundreds of members. Um, and it's very likely that you'll catch up to the herd, which had a head start on you, uh, in the next day, maybe two. And it's at this moment, I think, that your party uh, crests a small slope to see a valley sweeping out underneath you. And the massive, kind of vast Urk River uh, glimmers like a silver snake far, far to the north, just on the horizon, this glimmer. Uh, one of its many tributaries sort of branching off to feed this dale. Uh, and it's at this moment uh, where at the center of this shallow basin of this valley, you see a hill almost a small mountain, actually, uh, with a Kyrian village clustered at its base, uh, where you see gurs and tents and shacks and pens and stalls and fences, etc., just all over. Uh, quite a large village, actually. Uh, and the air here uh, is sharp and hard, kind of like the surface of a frozen lake. And you sort of crest this slope and you see this village kind of in your path, like on your way to following the herd. What do you do? Do... Do we have time to see if they need help? Uh, I think so. I think that's a good idea. I, we should keep track of all the villages that keep losing their animals, because, like, someone's going to have to return these thing, uh, these horses eventually. Right. And what's to stop some random Agon from lying about how many horses they had before? Right. Uh, you, you've been writing this down, right, Rev? What? You're the guy with glasses. What's that? What? You're I mean, you like bookie. I haven't been writing this down. You haven't been. This is your adventure, Dewey, okay? This is got, your journey. You're supposed to be noting all this shit down. I've got bigger things to be worried about than. What, than helping innocent people? Aren't you the one who's been getting on my ass about accepting a god shard? I don't. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you get. Ugh, we can just ignore everyone who needs help on the way. That's not what being a hero that's is about, right, I... V? Yeah, yeah, Dewey. That's not what being a hero is about. Um, and actually, V's got her notebook and she's actually been keeping track of everything in her V? Good job. I, I color me surprised, actually, but impressed. You know, who would have thought I'd be the responsible one here in the group? Uh, thanks, V. Are you sure you've been getting the numbers right? Uh, ballpark. V, make an intelligence check <laughs> for me to see how well you've been getting the numbers right. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I'm zero. So that's gonna be a four. <laughs> I think maybe like your journals are just like just numbers. You've just written like really general ballparks or like what else do we see when we when you like open up your journal? Yeah, so it's a a lot of uh, like sketches of me and Rev and Lotus like just in the margins and just like eh, 20-ish cows, 
ten-ish horses and northwest west village. Yeah, yeah, Rev like leans over and looks and says, hey, I remember that village. They didn't have any cows, V. What did Let me you see call, those? What what would you call them? I thought they <sighs> let me show Dewey. Alex, she takes a journal from you and hands it to you, Dewey. Why are there so many pic drawings of these aren't records? This is just your little sketchbook of you and Re Oh my god, you're such a liar. Hey! Hey! How many hey, numbers hey. do you have written down? Exactly! Come on. At least she's trying. Have you even been keeping track of any of this? Well, I I have a suggestion. When we stop the herd, I can I can just ask them where they live. <gasps> There's an idea! You're Abiku. right, Abiku! That's actually really smart. Thank you. Thank you. You know what? This was our plan all along. If the Kagan asks, we had this situation under lock and key. From the very beginning. That's why we brought the Bikus to talk to animals. Thank you, Abiku. That actually that actually helps a lot. Y yes, I I guess I I planned to do that because people can lie, but animals just want to go home. But you wait, you didn't think of this? Oh no, I totally thought from the very beginning. I was testing you. You passed. No. You did such a good job. That it's makes nice sense. To see you someone are... contribute to the party. You are wise paragons. It makes sense that you would think of it. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Rev kind of leans in on her horse, like over to uh, V. I don't feel great about lying to a BQ. It's kind of like taking candy from a baby. Uh, it's not lying if you believe it to be true. That's how I do it. <sighs> No wonder you're such a good charlatan, V. Uh, Dewey, isn't there something you'd like to say to Abiku for her contribution to your quest? Thank you, Abiku. Uh, as always, the most valuable member. Oh, I don't know about that, but I am happy to help you. You are on something very important and apparently very difficult for you, so I, any way I can make it easier for yourself to... You know, take a, a, have a very painful transformation and... Uh, have to die one day. Thanks, Abiku. Um, You're welcome. Right, you know what? Let's go to the village and see how many cows they've missed, and we can be on our merry way. Hey, uh, and Rev like squeezes like her like the flank of her horse, and her horse <clears throat> like starts going down the slope like toward the hill in the valley. Uh, and as the rest of you follow, I think we cut to your party like getting to the edge uh, of this village. And I think you like fall within the shade of this massive mountain. Not a massive mountain. It's a really big hill covered in like these bristling trees. Um, there seems to be like some sort of structure at the peak. Uh, but at this point in like the shade at the base of it, it it's kind of hard to tell what it is. And even from your slope uh, from before, you were too far away to really see anything at the top of this peak. But now that you're closer, you see some sort of structure, but it looks maybe like burnt down or like a ruin or something and as you approach you notice that all the pens sort of on the edges of the village uh, the wood of the fence have been like cracked and broken and you see like clear evidence of like the domesticated animals here like kind of losing their shit and like breaking down the pens and like trampling like all over the grass and like all the way down out of the valley toward where the herd was galloping parallel um uh, to this village and you just see people like milling about like they're conferring in low tones like the atmosphere here is like super frustrated and like almost like an 
a miasma of despair or like dissatisfaction and like almost like hopelessness has like fallen over the people here. You see like a couple of kids sort of like looking at this like broken pen, looking up at their parent and like being like, where did all the animals go, mom? And like, you know, their parents like, ah, don't worry, the Kagan will sort things out, dear. And, like pulling them away from like the pen. And as you, your, your party begins to travel through, I think like people like turn and like look up at you and they like start muttering amongst themselves because you look like, clearly you look like travelers, right? Um, and it's at this point that a tiefling person with these like, you hear clop, 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 clop. Uh, and you see that tiefling person has like these cloven hooves. They're not wearing any like shoes. They almost look kind of like a half satyr or something. Um, they like clop up to your party immediately and they're like waving their arms really erratically. Uh, and they've got like tattoos uh, covering every inch of their body. Like these colorful, like black uh, and also like other colored tattoos just all over their, their face and their arms and their hands. Um, and they've got these like these two goat-like horns that just peek out at like an abject angle from their, their forehead. Uh, and these like horizontal like goat-like peoples, but they, oh, they wave and they like like trample over uh, retinues with them. Like that, that look like townspeople that are also like hustling along. Um, and you notice that a couple of the people here are also heavily tattooed like this um, tiefling and look like this tiefling. So you assume like maybe they're family members or something. This tiefling arrives waving their arms and they say, oh, oh hello, hello. Oh, hi, uh, did the Kalgon send you? Oh, we've been needing munitions for over a week now. Uh, are they finally here? I don't see a supply wagon with you. Uh, no. Oh. It's okay, it's even better. We've got the Paragon here. We've got the The Kalgon's here? Where? Uh, everyone, everyone talk to a Kalgon is here. Uh, hey, places, no, no, no. places. No, no, no. Um, apparently you didn't hear uh, our friend. Cardu Quark here is the paragon of Gautang or not. Huh? There was a little misunderstanding and it's been cleared up and this is the real paragon here, our friend Dewey Quirk. Uh, I think the entire village, which like their spirits had picked up for half a second, they were like starting to scramble and like going into their girds to like grab things and they all pause, right? And there's like a little semicircle around you and this tiefling goes, that's not the paragon of Galtanger, everyone knows Toktoa Kagan is the paragon of Galtanger. Uh, no, she lied. She what? Didn't, she, no. So, so here's the deal. Um, she's letting Dewey Quirk be the paragon. We're going to stop the herd. It's going to be fantastic. And if, for whatever reason, things don't go well, then Toktoa will be here then and clean everything up. It'll be wonderful too. But, you know, let's give our friend... Dewey Quirk an opportunity to prove himself as the Paragon. I, I don't understand what, uh, and then one of like the aides of this person uh, like walks up to them and like whispers in their ear, uh, in Kyrian, do any of you speak or understand Kyrian? It's not one of my languages. Okay, they like whisper something like in powerful tones. Uh, and then this tiefling person pauses, oh, oh, uh-huh, uh-huh, oh. And like their age sort of breaks away and this person looks at you and they say, ah, uh, uh, pardon my uh, misinterpretation. I didn't realize that the Kagan's cell swords were here. Yes, news has reached us of um, allies to the Alliance. Alliance allies? Ally alliance? Well, wh whatever you call it. Uh, helping talk to a Kagan with some of her business. That must be the three of you. We were told of outsiders to the clans. Must be you. Well, welcome, welcome. Not as good as a direct visit from the Kagan, but better than nothing. Uh, I am Udam Agon. 
Uh, and the tiefling sort of does like a kind of like, you know, like ostentatious bow, like hands up, like tail curled, and they like straighten up again. Uh, I am the Agon uh, of the Turai clan here, uh, at the base of the Golden Hill. And they like gesture to the hill behind them. Um, in, in summer, really, it's gold because the trees are special and they have long story. Uh, but um, welcome. You come from Toktowa Kagan's camp. Do you have any? Why hasn't she sent any munitions over? They were due over a week ago. They promised us we were spared the draft so we could continue protecting the Golden Hill, of course, uh, which the Kagan agreed was the right thing to do. They promised to send more fighters to clear the tomb and to bring munitions to us on a weekly basis, but we've been missing munitions for a week and we're starting to get hungry. We're running low. What gives? Uh, what tomb? Well, the, the tomb of Carvach. And they gesture back up at the Golden Hill. What's if you were claiming to be the paragon of Galtanger, surely you would know that the ancestral burial site of Carvach Turai, paragon of Galtanger, is right here. You know, yes. I'm actually um descended from her. I know this. Uh, could you explain for the, um you know, the, my mercenary? <laughs> Abiku, Abiku raises, yes, I understood one of the words you said, which was tomb. Yes, the entire hill, uh, the inside of it is a tomb to Karvach Turai. Uh, but lately it's been overrun with monsters and beasts, you know, because of the cataclysm. Our fighters are doing their best to clear it out, but Toktoa Kagan said that she'd send some to help us. But they're not here, so wh you were just talking with her. What? What's changed? What's happened? Did, did, she, even <laughs> did she tell me anything? <laughs> No, but Abiku, as you reflect uh, on your nights of passion with Taktoa in her camp, there was, I think there was a moment where like maybe y'all were like making out like not directly on the mattress uh, and like she, you, you maybe like kind of stumbled against like her war table and she stopped, like she stopped making out with you to like re-put the figures back exactly where they were. Uh, and she was like, it's very important that the figures here on this map are not messed up. Let's uh, take our passions elsewhere. And she like redirected you somewhere else. And I think like, you're like, huh, that's maybe like the only, like if her map got messed up, maybe. <laughs> All of a sudden, I think, see, I think the inside of V's bag with the gold horse statue. Abiku, not knowing about the gold horse statue, I think she goes, oh, I think it is my fault. I'm sorry. You, your fault? It is a long story that I didn't think the talk tour would want you to know about just yet, but I I can get you some food. I I am a good hunter. <sighs> well, we st we still have some munitions. It's really the main thing is the monsters in the hill, and the food would be nice. But we are all we're you know we were spared the draft, so we can do a little bit of hunting. But our entire herds are gone now because the great herd came by and oh everything is just so stressful and like the tiefling like pulls at their hair you know oh and you swear you could hear like there's their scalp like wrinkle a little oh from the stress and like the aide comes over and like whispers something in their ear again and they go thank you thank you thank you and they like keep, calm down take deep breaths i think v casts a message to uh do and be like now is your time to act like a paragon dewey as you receive this message rev actually leans in to you, V, and says, V? <clears throat> yes, my love? Can I see that horse figurine? Um, which one? I've got eight of them. V? Yes, my love? <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about. V, it's like a very, like, 
looks off and like grab fumbles. She feels one. She like she's looking down. There's like one for this area, one for that area, one. Shoot. Uh, and I like, slowly hands it to Rev. Rev takes this particular golden horse statue and like flips it upside down and shows it to your party. So it's not just you. And Abiku and Dewey, the two of you see that the bottom of this horse figurine is carved the, the name Cardvach. Where did you get that? Oh, so it was not my fault. That is good. Oof. Why would it have been your... Why? Yeah, what? I did you talk? I, you, we, did, we did not do a lot of talking. <sighs> okay, you know what? We uh, You can spare us the details. I think the people deserve to know why the munitions aren't coming, and I don't think it's a good idea to pin it on Toktoa. Okay. We <laughs> text the figurine back. And it's, it's a very pretty horse, though. It um, is. All right. Uh, well, good news, bad news. Uh, no more bad good. news, please. We can't handle any more. We don't have any munitions. Our sacred tomb is overrun with monsters at all. Our our entire livelihood just ran away from us. Okay, okay, okay. Yes. Understandable. You're very stressed. We sympathize. It isn't that you've been forgotten about. It's just that in some maybe some hustle and bustle and a lot going on in Andake right now. Some pieces had to be moved here and there in life and uh, priorities had to be shifted. But good news! We are here to fix this. Really? I mean, our paragon of Galtanger doing work has been sent Mm. to make (laughs) Everything right. All the townspeople's, yeah, all of their eyes like fall upon you, Dewey, as V gestures at you. Dewey's looking at V and gives her just the dirtiest look. And then he turns and he's like, <clears throat> uh, yes, I, I'm here to fix everything. Um, Rev goes, why are you pitching your voice lower? Shut, shut up. I'm trying to, we're here to clear the tomb and fight the monsters or whatever. Okay. There is a, a, a smattering of limp applause like amongst i think like maybe led by a biku i don't know like amongst like the townspeople the agon udon does not clap along and just looks around and the clapping dies down uh and they go well okay i guess the four of you is better than nothing we were expecting a convoy munitions of at least 15 20 soldiers strong but okay i mean if if the kagan sent the four of you personally as sellswords, then you must be pretty good, huh? Because the Kagan has good judgment. And like, everyone's like looking around and nodding. They're like, yeah, if the Kagan sent them, they must be good. And they're like nodding and nodding. And there's like, you know, like more and more clapping and cheering, but like for the Kagan at that. <laughs> and and I, uh, think, I think V is going with that. Yeah, Kagan, woo, yeah. We'll deal with this later. I'm very disappointed in you, V. Like Rev leans over and is like saying to you. Look. They were just pretty gold horses, and I didn't... I don't know why I do what I do. I just risk and reward. Yeah, and this is is a risk that is not quite paying up. Uh, Yes, Kagan, Kagan, yes. And like Rev goes back to like clapping as well. Uh, And when the clapping dies down, uh, Udam Agon says, Okay, well, I I think if you really wanted to make this right, uh, the first most important point of order is to clear out those monsters from the Golden Hill. They've been desecrating my ancestors' sacred burial site. Of course, the funeral pyre where her remains were cremated is on top of the Golden Hill, but the tomb is within. 
The the only entrance into the hill, though, is from the peak. Wait, so we have to go to the top to get to the bottom? To go to the top? Uh, you have to get to the top to get to the bottom. And the, and the very bottom of the hill uh, is where the, the biggest chamber is. I mean, her body was cremated, so Kyrian tradition. Uh, we don't like to bury our dead under the ground because, I mean, that's where our, our horses are going to trample over them. Uh, we like to send them up to the sky, to Galtanger. But we put offerings inside the hill, inside the tomb. Uh, how do you know the... Well, has someone been inside the tomb and seen the monsters, or do you just hear the monsters? Uh, there's kind of like a, a grim feeling falls over the people, you know, and you see someone like sort of turn their face away and look like they're they're trying not to cry. Uh, and the Agen goes, uh, no, we've lost people. Um, it's pretty obvious there are beasts within the tomb. Well, it's a good time as any for us to, like, show you what we're made of, and we've saved parts of Endake worse than this, I promise you. Yeah, we've oh, beaten up... To do the finger point. <laughs> we have beaten up monsters, uh, all of us collectively, and no big deal. We'll take care of it for you. Really? Which way is it? S- straight up there. Um, th- thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, you should probably leave your horses at the peak, though, or you can lash them here. After all, it is, um, uh, tradition to only climb to the peak on foot. Are you sure your fence posts are gonna hold this time with our horses? <sighs> the herd galloped past us, so unless it decides to turn around for some reason, uh, your horses should be fine. Now, don't exactly. worry, we're, we're Curians, we know how to take care of horses. Yeah, we won't be gone long, hopefully. And Dewey gets off his horse and hesitantly hands his uh, the reins to. Yeah, like a couple of people immediately step forward to like bring the horses away, and they like, you know, like at the horses, and they produce apples and like little bits of granola, and the horses like very happily chomp at them, you know, as the horses are being led away. Your pony sort of shoots you a baleful look, like why haven't you ever given me an apple? Uh, as as it's led away, like over its over its shoulder, um, and Rev goes, oh, it's actually nice to stretch my legs riding for days now. I couldn't even tell. Look at me. I'm just, I'm so used to horses now. I'm just like, uh, I could do that for a few more months, right? Right. <laughs> well, you are good at a right. All right. Uh, yeah. n- I was going to, it was quite, it felt familiar. So maybe I used to ride horses. Ma- yes. Maybe in your past life. Uh, let's leave these poor townsfolk behind and do what we're good at, which is to kill horrible, empty monsters, huh? It was great to meet you, uh, Udam, Agan, and we were going to get to the bottom of this. Literally. Bottom of the hill from the top. Oh, uh, oh, that, right. is, that, is, that is funny. That's a joke. Thank yes. you, Abiku. That's funny. I know, I did, not, right. I, I know I did not laugh. I, I, I don't <laughs> laugh a lot, but I, I find things funny, and I think it's funny. But people well, if, think it's just genuine. You know what, uh, Abiku, you can st- I just... Like, Rev's, like, motioning for you to cut it out. <laughs> Uh, and I think like you're having this conversation as like the four of you like tramp off toward toward the base of the hill. And as like Udam Agon like and like their retinue like sees you off, they wave and and then like without any of you hearing, Udam Agon goes, "Yeah, they're totally gonna die." Uh, and we <laughs> cut back, I think, to the four of you. I think you're like walking up the hill, 
as you're going up it, you're like, damn, this hill is a lot bigger than it looks. Because it did look large, but it's going to take you maybe at least like a cool 20, 30 minutes to get to the top, right? Uh, and like everything's hard and kind of frosted over from winter. There's like scraggly trees growing out kind of like at an angle on various like radical slopes. Uh, there is like a trail, uh, but it's a rather narrow trail and like goes up a series of switchbacks for like a hot second with like no railing, right? So uh, I'm just going to ask for just an athletics check from all of you. Oh Eight. god. Eight from Dewey. Four. <laughs> I rolled a nat one and then I used a luck point and then I rolled another nat one. Okay, Rev we got, got used a twenty three. Baby. <laughs> we got used to horse life. You got you did get used to horse life. Okay, this is a sad picture. So why don't each of the three of you tell me like why it's so sad? Like why is getting up this hill like the hardest fucking thing you've had to do so far in this arc? Uh, let's start with the Biku. Uh, I think it's like, I think I just like, I was really into writing on something it felt. And so I think she's like not focusing on walking efficiently, which is like a thing, right? So she's like straining too much on the hill. And she, she thought it was going to be like shorter because you were far away and perspective. And so she was like kind of jogging. She's like, oh, shit, I have to like, oh, there's like a lot more hill. So that that's her thing. Oh, my God. Uh, what about you, Dewey? Um, I think that it's like a little bit like frosted over, right? Um, so Dewey, within the first five minutes, slips and falls and gets like the wind knocked out of him. And he insists he's fine, but you just hear like pathetic, like wheezing the rest of the way up. <laughs> Oh my god, I love that. And what about V's double nat one? So, uh, V's gonna be like, hey, everything's fine, this is great, just a little jog up a hill, and I think she's like, she's really like, just like, leaping from here to there, on top of a boulder, off of a boulder, and as she jumps off of one of the boulders, the total hits a patch of ice, she flips over, onto her back, boom! But then it's like so steep that she like, starts to go forward and tumbles forward and just, boom! almost to the back of the like she loses time she goes she falls way past the group and almost to the bottom of the hill again and has to like re retrace her steps rev is fine uh but she is so annoyed <laughs> she is so annoyed by all three of you like she has to like wait you know and i think you lose time because she's like busy chastising like all three of you like she's concerned about v but then when sees v is uninjured gets annoyed you know and irritated and i think i think we see an image of like the four of your faces like like the three of you specifically like cresting finally the edge of this hill and you're like oh, like panting and wheezing you like drag yourselves onto the peak um and like the light is disappearing from the sky <laughs> by this point like it was like 9 a.m 10 a.m when you got here and it's like 7 p.m like you've hours out you've hours have elapsed like you've wasted so much time getting to the peak of this mountain you like drag yourselves up onto the top and rev is just like pacing around going okay i guess we're gonna go dungeon delving at night it's really the best time i mean we're gonna be inside of tombs i mean what's the matter if it's bright outside not bright outside empty beasts thrive in the dark v but it's okay it's okay we've got three paragons two of whom are realized and abiku who's great with a bow and will be in very narrow cramped tunnels with us which i'm sure will be fine with a bow I have a sword too. No, are you are you good with the sword? 
I, I mean, I'm okay with a sword. It's not a bow, but I, I, have, I also have swords. I just don't use them because I use a bow. Okay. All right. Well, we've got an archer using a sword. We've got Dewey, who's completely out of breath. We've got V, who I'm pretty sure got a concussion from going tits over ass. And we've got me. Want to lead the charge? We have Sun. Now that we're up here, I can bring Sun with us. That's true. Actually, Sun will be great. Do you mind summoning Sun now so we don't have to do it when we're down there? Yeah, sure. And she'll summon Sun. It's like you do it so casually, but it's so badass. You're like, yeah, she, yeah. I won't, right? I won't belabor the cutscene every time, but the cutscene happens every time for the viewer at home. But it's like a magical girl transformation as sun comes out, right? Like, <laughs> do, 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 right? And like the magical sigil like, coming out of the mm-hmm. earth and poof, like sun lands and Rev just goes, I'm never going to get sick of that. That's amazing. Every time. Oh, thank you. Sun also says thank you. A sun in your head goes, thank you, Rev. Rev turns and, like, sets her sights on the very peak of the top of this hill. And you all see uh, what looks like maybe a a ruin from far below up now, like, close and personal. And you see it is a ruin. Uh, It is an ancient wooden ruin that by magic or just by sheer love uh, by the villagers at its base have has been kept mostly intact. It's the remnants of a funeral pyre. You see just, like, these huge wooden logs, like, built up, up, up high, like, maybe, like, 10 feet tall, 15 feet tall. Um, And, like, there's, like, charred wood at the top. Like, the wood looks ancient. Uh, And you feel the weave sort of, like, kind of pulling a little bit tight around, like, this pyre as you get close to it. And you get the sense that it's, like, enchanted with, like, magic that prevents it from decaying. And there's sort of, like, a stone inscription at the base, uh, written in Kyrian. Okay, I will cast Comprehend Languages. Okay, uh, how does that how does that work for you? I think Dewey, he had put his glasses in this bag because he kept falling, didn't want to ruin them. Uh, so he grabs them out of his bag and puts them back on and flips on the Kyrian lens. Like, it's like a golden lens that goes over and like you look at it and you're able to like, as you sweep your eyes over it, like the words become legible to you. And it's essentially like an inscription talking about how this is like the funeral pyre of Karvach Turai. Paragon of Galtanger, right? Like protector of the Golden Hill, slayer of the Queen of the Valley. At the bottom is a set of instructions. And it says, if you wish to pay your respects and enter the tomb, name the thing which sets you free. Uh, I turn to the rest of the party and I pose the question. It wants us to name the thing that sets you free in order to get in, like a password to the doors. Rev steps forward in front of the stone inscription on this grassy knoll in front of this huge pyre, right? That still almost seems like still smoldering. And she just says, love. And there's like a pillar of golden light that shoots out from like the winter grass underneath her. Uh, and like it completely like like swallows her up. Uh, and for, like from a di- from a distance, like from the base of the camp, we see like a like a massive pillar of like like shooting up into the sky and disappearing into the gray sky. Uh, and back at the peak, Rev disappears. Oh, she's so smart. And V like walks up. I think V in a very smart alky tone like gold. Nothing happens. Love. Is that true, V? Absolutely. There's another as like another pillar of golden light like ensconces V and like punches up through the atmosphere and disappears into the cloud and V's gone. Dewey steps up and he says, Love, 
Is there only one password to this thing? Nothing happens. You know, it has to be the thing for you. Like, it's love for Rev and it's love for V. But it, it's not love for you. You you have a lot going on, you know? Fine, what is... You go then. And Dewey moves aside. Oh, I, I do not know what it is for me. I will probably have to wait out here. No, there's no way you're not coming in with us. Oh, I... I mean, I, I had a hold. I... I do not know. I'm still figuring that out. So I can't give it an answer because I, I don't know, and I can't lie to it. Sun sort of sits down at your feet and looks up at you and cocks like their skull head to the side, and you hear their voice resonate in your head and say, Why don't you just say that then, Abiku? Knowing who you are, do you think that will set you free? Oh, you're so smart. And Abiku walks past you. <laughs> she, she says Me, out loud, you're so smart, and walks past Dewey. Me? Oh, yes, you are smart too. Uh, I do not know. It would be nice to know what set me free. And a huge pillar of light like shoots up both around you and Sun, and you disappear. And it's just Dewey. Uh, Dewey goes to stand where Ibiki was standing and was like, can I also say that I don't know yet? Isn't that the point of this whole, this whole quest? You, you look hopefully at the stone tablet. Uh, and I don't think anything happens, Dewey. So I have to do my introspection right here, right now, huh? It's like a Shit's Creek moment where like, there's just nothing to say and like wind's just blowing and you're standing there. Uh, we like, pan down through like layers of sediment and rock and dirt and stone and wiggling worms and buried bones right on cobwebs and poof, we enter into a chamber where we see rev like glimmer into existence whoa, whoa. Uh, and then v right next to her and then poof, a biku hey god is it dark in here uh and you notice that you're in kind of like a chamber Rather small chamber, maybe only big enough to hold 10 people max. Uh, and it's just sort of like a circular chamber uh, with, I think, uh, torches mounted in sconces on either side. Uh, and it takes you a minute to realize that the torches emit no heat. It seems to be some sort of magical, ever-glowing flame just on either side. And like the walls are carved with the, like a traditional Kyrian art style uh, of just like galloping horses, soaring eagles, and like prancing antelopes and whatnot, like all the way down a tunnel that leads into darkness like directly in front of you so how long do we wait for do, do we think Dewey's going to make it he has a lot going on he we probably should have someone should have stayed with him well we can't do this without Dewey this is Carvach's tomb I mean he's gotta be able to have some sort of connection with the past paragon right I mean I didn't really get the connection till after I got got a nectus I... there's a pause and Ref says I've never told anyone this, but at the Weave Spun Nest, when I was accepting the Raven Queen into my soul, I saw visions of Pascal. So, I don't know, maybe Dewey will see visions of Carvash if he comes down here. We, uh, we can't plunge this dungeon without him. Is there a way, can we go back to the top and someone, like, waits with Dewey? Because, uh, I, do we, I, do we get, I worry, uh, I, I worry he won't come. Love. Uh, and there's like a beam of a light again and Rev disappears from within the chamber and Dewey, as you're standing there like thinking, there's a like a beam of light shoots up from the earth again and Rev reappears. Whoa. Dewey, what's taking you so long? I 
Dewey's got his like notebooks out and he's like flipping through and he's like looking at the tablet and he's like, is it answers? Is it like just trying out keywords? Dewey, you're not gonna find the answer in your notebooks. Just tell the truth. What's gonna set you free? I don't I don't know. If if I knew it, it would probably be somewhere in my notes. Look, maybe I'm not the right person to give you this pep talk, Dewey, out of all of us, but I'm, I'm here, I guess. So if anyone else wants to come up here, she's like shouting down at the ground, uh, up here to help me, uh, be my guest. Yes. Dewey, what are you scared of? Uh, a lot of things. Have you met me? I don't just mean like snakes and spiders and the myriad. I mean, what really scares you? Laying in your bed alone at night, staring up at the ceiling. What terrifies you? Because what scares me is the possibility that I'll never set things right with Leaf. That's what scares me. So, L-O-V-E is what's gonna set me free. Uh, what? What is L-O-V-E? If, if I say it, I'll get zapped back into the Sorry, dungeon, what? Dewey. What? What's the word? It's love. And there's like a beam of light and Rev disappears and like reappears back in the dungeon. But can one of the two of you go up and give him a pep talk? Because I'm, I'm done. Hey, do you want to do it, V? Or I, I don't know. You talked to him a lot earlier. I'll give it a go, sure. I think at the Love. moment. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> okay, Dewey, what happens right before V zaps in? Dewey takes that moment. Uh, he just didn't want Rev to be around when he bared his soul to Carvache's funeral pyre. Um, and he says, uh, Redemption. Mm. V, make a perception check for me. And Dewey, if you would like to try to hide this from V, you can roll a check of your choice. I'll let you choose. Oh, great. I only got a 10, so. I also got a 10. I used stealth. <laughs> oh, so, ooh, I think that means V catches part of what you say. So as you say redemption and poof, this beam of golden light like shoots up, you see right before you fizzle out from like the top of the peak, like another beam, pillar of golden light rising from the earth as V like spirals into existence. And Dewey, what is like the, the fragment that V hears? I think you get Shin, the very end. So it could be like any number of words. And V, you just catch the tail end of Dewey disappearing as you reappear back on the peak. Oh, perfect. Good work, Quirk. Good work. Love. And (laughs) with that, like, V zaps back into the chamber with the rest of her party. Back in the chamber, uh, the four of you reunited. uh, Like, V and Dewey zapping in. Rev goes, finally. What'd you say, Dewey? Uh, Nothing. We're all here, right? Let's go. Okay. That makes sense. I also said nothing. And <laughs> uh, Leaned over to Rev. All I know is it ends in Shen. Shen? What's a Shen? I don't know. Maybe ration? Maybe food? Rations? Is, is Dewey hungry? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I think there's a moment where like, Rev really mulls on this. I then realizes that Abiku and Dewey are leaving the two of you behind. Uh, Hey, wait up, there are monsters down here. And like Rev, like also like uh, hurries uh, down the tunnel, but pauses and turns to look at you, V, and says, I'll bring up the rear. You're, you know, squishier. Why don't you take the front? Okay. Um, 
And you said it was kind of low light, right? Yes. So I think V is gonna tap her little her. She's gonna cast light on her on her the chest diamond to cast a little bit more light on the space. This emerald light uh, shoots out from V's uh, diamond and like illuminates the walls around you, and you just see these beautiful intricate carvings like in the walls like Rev actually lets out a low whistle and like raises her like fingers up to like trace the carvings of the wall you know and you just see like murals of like landscapes of Kirtal and like eventually like all the flora and the fauna and the hills and the streams and um the earth and and the sky bleed together to begin to tell a story uh, you see, like, a village begin to, like, ribbon itself into being, like, in the carvings all around you. Uh, and as you continue to walk, Rev sort of, like, looks around, cranes her head up, like, toward where you, V, Abiku, and Dubi are, and says, Hey, you see anything ahead? Hear any monster noises? Do I, do I hear any monster noises? Why don't the three of you make a perception check for me? Nat 20! Hey! Which would be a Truly 24. risk or reward. My god. Okay, 24. Two nat ones and a nat 20. 20. 27. Whoa. Jesus. The first thing all three of you notice is that the tunnel seems to slope downward. It's really gradual, though. Like, almost imperceptible. I think, Abiku, you're the first to notice uh, that it's a really gradual slope and that it's not entirely straight. It actually curves. Uh, almost like you're going down a spiral staircase, but the staircase is super wide and really, really, really big, and like you've got like tons of space to like curl downward. And you get the sense that you're going down, Abiku. All three of you can perceive this after a certain point. Abiku, you hear it first. Uh, a kind of like a... <laughs> noise coming from, I mean, with your 27 maybe a hundred feet in front of you in the darkness. I think she would do the like hand up like every, and then realize there are two people in front of her and be like, hey, there, there's something ahead of us. Um, I don't know. I, in like pauses 90, a hundred feet away, approximately, probably precisely. Probably uh, precisely. I get, I like that. Uh, v like stops and like listens and maybe slows up walking forward a little bit more. I think as like all of you pause to really listen and like be stealthy, the noise is like, it's really faint, but it greets you as well. Uh, it's like a, <laughs> sounds like multiple voices or multiple creatures, uh, but they're all sort of like overlapping. There are no words. They're just sort of groaning and there's occasionally like a kind of, I guess like a wet slapping noise. That's, that's gotta be like the, the monsters they were talking about, right? Hopefully it's not the other monsters that ate the old monsters. That would be a problem. I mean, there's there's five of us. There's can't be that many of them. We've we've got this right. Oh, I'm not worried at all about us. We are all quite efficient fighters. Uh, instead of charging right in, can I can I test something? Uh, I would like to. So this. This um, hallway that we're walking down slopes downwards and it like curves. So I was hoping, I want to take like a, I don't know, like a washer or something out of my bag, something round that'll roll and cast Glyph of Warding on it. And then just like let her roll down the hall. What does Glyph of Warding do? Um, it is the thing that Kane had in the- um, Hero's in the tower. Yes, yeah. uh, where I can set like a, a trigger and then like an effect will happen such as acid, cold, fire, lightning, thunder damage, etc. 
What's the trigger and what's the effect you're setting? Uh, I just want, as soon as something comes to investigate it, to like touch the thing, uh, I want it to explode in a, a cloud of lightning. Okay. <laughs> a burst of lightning. Okay. What does it look like as you cast Glyph of Warding on your washer? Um, you see me like attaching like some little round uh, batteries to the thing. And then I just like set it on the ground and it starts to roll. It just starts to roll down the hall. <laughs> I love that actually. Yeah. you. I don't know if you're going to make you do a check for it. You like attach, you know, the batteries, you squat down and you roll it. And it like, like with a kind of tinny, like spinning noise, it like rolls down the hall and, and eventually out of sight uh, from like Visa light. Right. But all of you like hear it continue to roll and roll and roll for a while. Um, for a while. Uh, and then you hear it click, 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 like sort of like a penny falling down, you know, like spin, spin, spin and the clatter. Uh, and all of you hear the noises go. Huh. And you hear like some more of like the wet slapping noise, I think. That's not quite the right way to describe it. I guess some of it is wet slapping and some of it sounds like nails scratching against uh, stone floors. There's a pause and then all of you just hear an explosion. Uh, so do we roll damage? 28 points of damage, uh, lightning damage. Oh my, Jesus, fuck. This is the okay. only competent thing I've done. Oh my God. Okay, I'm going to write that down. Yeah, I think from like way far down, all of you just sort of see like a faint, like sparkling, like sparking blue light just sort of like almost like you're um, at the top of the stairs and there's like a basement light show going on. You sort of see the lights from around the corner. You know what I mean? Like just against the wall sparking and you hear screaming, uh, like people screaming wailing in agony in this horrifying chorus. Uh, and Dewey and V, I think the two of you are thrown back into like, for a split second, like a flashback of fighting the Hydra Flare, where like its various mouths are just like wail in unison, and grrr, like the screaming goes off, right? And then like the, the, the lights and the flashing, the popping thunder noise like die down and the screaming also eventually dies down. And there's just sort of like a, a chaotic kind of discordant thumping, thumping and slapping and scratching that's getting louder and louder and louder as whatever this thing is begins to go up the tunnel, like up the slope toward where you are. Uh, so I think in the like spare handful of moments you have before it pulls into view around the corner, what would the three of you like to do? He's gonna cast a uh, minute meteor and get six meteors floating around her. Okay, uh, what about a Biku? I am, I don't, you know what? I don't want them to get up here. If, okay, because like if it's hard to shoot, I'm like, a beak would know that. Me, Austin, would know that because I'm not mm -hmm. sitting where she is. So I think instead I am going to cast Wind Wall. Ooh, how does that work? You would see a Biku take out her fan, actually, that she carries. Just like flaps it once towards the stair, towards where this thing is coming from. And you hear this like rushing wind from behind her blow past all of us and this such hard gust of wind that it's almost com like cartoonishly visible erupts like in between us and this thing. You'll have to make a strength saving throw or take 3d8 bludgeoning damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. Uh, so yeah, this gust of wind like howls down like this like narrow tunnel all around, all around you and swirling with such ferocity you swear you can almost see every individual blade of gust. Like this wall of wind just like directly in front of where uh, uh, V is standing, right? So your hair is just sort of like whipping out like like a flag, like all around you. 
like Dewey, your feathers are getting ruffled, right? It's kind of hard to hear each other because like the roaring wind is like howling all around you. Uh, and Rev has summoned Grim, like while this has happened, right? The scythe, the top of the scythe kind of hits the top of the tunnel. She goes, fuck. Uh, and the scythe like glows kind of dark and it gets smaller, right? Because it's hard to swing, swing a longsword in a fucking tunnel. Uh, she like, the scythe gets smaller uh, and the three of you get ready. Uh, Dewey, I think your little washer was maybe like what you got to do to prepare for this thing. Uh, as all of you see now, uh, just at the edge of like V's light piercing through the howling gusts, a conglomeration of limbs kind of stitched and mashed together. Uh, you see peering out from cracks between like the folds of elbows and the crooks of knees and like the bending of like necks and shoulders are, are faces occasionally. Uh, similar to the uh, the face stealer and the hydra flare. Faces that used to be people's faces, like used to be tieflings and half elves and orcs and dwarves and halflings, uh, but have been twisted, uh, desiccated and ripped of their souls. Uh, now they're just sort of there and clearly dead and just sort of like dead-eyed staring out. Uh, it's like a corpse bolus. It's like a bunch of corpses stitched and mashed together into this kind of like big, it's like, it's a large, it's bigger than a biku, uh, ball that just sort of seems to roll slash pull slash drag slash walk itself forward. And sort of leaking out of the mouths and out from behind like stitches and crevices of like where the arms and legs don't quite fit together is this kind of like black liquid, almost like tar or oil or gasoline. And it just leaves this liquid in its wake. So I'm gonna need y'all to roll initiative. Seven. Seven from V. Nine, five plus four is nine. Nine from a BQ, do we? Eleven for Timmy, yep. Okay, so the first a uh, creature to act is gonna be what I'm calling the corpse bolus. Uh, it is going to just, like, its mouths are, like, dripping with this, like, black saliva. And, uh, and it's gonna try to move through the wind wall. Uh, so it's gonna make a strength save, right? Strength is one of the things it's good at. Against what? Uh, DC 17. Uh, so it fails. Uh, so this thing like hits the wall and it lets out a shriek that like, thankfully the howling of the wind like snatches the screams right out of its tongues and throats. Uh, but it's continuing to like, uh, as it continues to sort of like roll up the fucking ramp at you. And because the wind is whipping so fiercely, the oil or whatever it is, the tar, the substance secreting from it begins to whip around. It gets carried up and I need all of you to make a constitution saving throw. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> it's fine. I whipped up a new gadget for this last level. <laughs> oh, thanks, Inspector Gadget. I got a 16. 16 from Mabiku? I will say that uh, at first I rolled a nat 1, but then I used a luck point. And, Three uh, nat 1s this session. <gasps> a 19. 19. Okay, that's respectable from V. Rolled a 21. Uh, so V and Dewey saved. So the two of you will take half damage. And a BQ you did not, so you take, you'll take full damage. So the full damage is 19 points of poison damage and six points of acid damage. Uh, as this, these droplets of this like empty ooze fling out from the wall, like spatter onto all of you, you just like hear 
like sizzling as it hits your armor or like your hands or your your feathers, right? Or your skin and like, like it begins to eat away at your body, right? Like burning away your skin. It's horrifying and it hurts. Uh, and Dewey and V, the two of you notice that this like kind of like thick black liquid is distinctly similar to the liquid in like the vials that Kilohana threw in the final showdown against the Paragon Killer to like spawn these empty beasts. Like this is whatever primordial blood or milk uh, or substance it is that empty beasts come from. And if either of you who failed the, actually, I'm only gonna allow for a Biku because a Biku's the only one who failed the roll. You can roll Arcana or Nature on it to learn more about it if you want, as it's like eating into your uh, flesh. Okay, I'll roll Nature. But for my Nature check, don't worry, I only got an eight. Even with an eight, kind of similar to what I said earlier, this goo, as you look at it, as it's like, like against the, the wind, uh, you see that the goo seems to be coming from within it. Like there's something in the center of this thing that's secreting this goo and probably animating the corpses. The goo is its lifeblood, right? It's void lifeblood for lack of a better term. That's what you learn from getting splashed by this thing. It can't make it to the other side by the end of its turn. Uh, so next up is gonna be Rev. <laughs> Who is just gonna, gonna sort of bark from the back. Everyone get down. Yeah, all of you duck down and Rev sweeps Grim forward and like pulsing out from the blade, like shoots out like a black like slice, like through the air, right? Like it boomerangs kind of through the air, through the wind wall and slashes uh, into this corpse bolus. Uh, but instead of bleeding blood, uh, anything red uh, or even pus, uh, it bleeds this like black tar, like wherever lesions and lacerations rip open on its fleshy body. Uh, next up is going to be Dewey. Have we interacted with this uh, primordial goo stuff? Um, you have. Uh, you, like I mentioned, like Kilohana, it, it seems to be similar to the goo in the vials that like Kilohana threw. And also like similar to whatever goo would have spattered onto you when fighting empty beasts everywhere. They all kind of bleed this kind of black blood. We haven't like gotten a chance to like really look at it, right? <laughs> no one except for Oka, I don't think. But Oka's not here. Okay. All right, uh, I think since the wind is still blowing from behind us, uh, Dewey's gonna like sidle down to the edge of where the wind wall stops uh, and then stick his hand through the wind wall and he's gonna use uh, poison spray at the creepy flesh goo limb monster. Um, I'm gonna need you to make a strength save to avoid getting hit, right? Like, cause okay. it, it doesn't, there's friendly fire here, I'm assuming for the wind wall. Good thing there's an app for that. There's a gadget for that. <laughs> I get to add my intelligence modifier to strength checks for saves. Whoa! Can you? How do you justify this in the fiction? What do we see that's like on you? Uh, it's my armor of magical strength, uh, which I think is just like electricity running Bird through. So armor. Like an, it's my armor. It's not like I'm gonna lift weights and get swole. Uh, so I have to make a machine to help me be strong. Oh, could um, we say that you like added, like you upgraded Tonga's armor uh, yes. that she gave you, yeah, yeah, and this exactly. is like what it is. Nice. Okay, you stick your hand through. What'd you get on that save? Uh, sixteen. Is that sufficient to Biku? No. No, of course not. not. Biku okay, rolled, rolled friendly fire. <laughs> no, let me roll max damage real quick. Are you gonna Hold break on. his the bones in his hands? A poor pigeon winged man. Uh oh. <laughs> oh no. Good time to roll. Lots of damage. 18. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
Dewey, it's a little bit like sticking your hand inside of a shredder, except the shredder instead of blades is just rocks that just bludgeon against you, right? And you see your feathers like, oh, like flapping in every direction. Like some of that like black goo like slaps onto your feathers as you're like force it through the wall. Uh, but you cast poison spray at it, right? Yeah. A puff yeah. of noxious gas comes around in my palm. I think that like with the wind, it doesn't really matter which direction. If it's like a, it doesn't have to be super precise because the wind is all going towards this thing anyways. The creature has to make a con save. Okay. Oh, against what? 18 again. Well, I can't seem to roll above a 10. Uh, so why don't you roll max damage? That's 19 points of uh, poison damage. Whoa, does it just come straight out of your palm or do you have like a gadget? Um, yeah, I think it would be dumb of him to like mix up a poison in his palm. So he's probably got it in like a, a test tube of sorts and he just like uncorks it and just like shoves it in the thing's direction. I like that and actually. And the wind carries like... it around. <laughs> Yeah, test tube, and then you poof. And you just see all of you see like a puff of orange, like acid just begins to like join all everything else in this like horrible melting pot of pain. Uh, and it like, like the acid like swirls around and just sort of sizzles uh, against this thing's hide. And it does have resistance to poison damage, um, but it's still, cause you know, it's made of poison. Uh, but it lets out a as you see like, like the acid like burn holes and it's like fleshy body. Dewey, horrifyingly, you see one of its many hands like shoot out and lodge its nails like into the stone and begin to drag it. Like it seems to find purchase and it begins to like drag itself like toward you even more. Okay. Right as you- I'm out of here. <laughs> Do you use your movement to retreat? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> to the to the back of the line? Yeah, behind like at least V and Abiku. Yeah, all of you see Dewey just sort of scamper backward like behind V, behind Abiku and just like sort of like collide against like Rev's solid form. Hey, hey! You're not leaving us for dead again, are you? No, I do your thing. You got it. Uh, is that the end of your turn, Dewey? Yes. Then in that case, we are going to go to Abiku. Me and Sun are going to go fight this thing. You're going in? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay, so what do you do? What does it look like? Describe it to me. She, she like, goes to take her bow out and she, like, realizes her arms are too wide, like, even to, like, do this motion. And so she, like, pulls out her two short swords and is like, Sun, we are going. Uh, and like fu <laughs> fucking like leaps over V, like leapfrogs over V and just runs into the wind wall. Do you have to make a save against your own spell? I think that's a question for you. I don't think anything says you don't. I think you do because this magic I think is still kind of new to you. Magic is new. Everything's new to you. Uh, so until you can sort of like prove yourself to your own magic, you're going to take some friendly fire from your own spells. Uh, What'd you get? This is strength saving throw. I'm very strong. Uh over 15 plus seven. Yeah, you weather the storm. You just like jump right into that wall and immediately like the shouts of like Rev behind you of like Dewey like scrambling against, up against like Rev's legs like are muffled immediately as it's just wind just like pummeling your eardrums, like blasting your braids in like every direction, right? Uh, and like, I think maybe even the clouds in your face get blown around a little, you know, by like mm -hmm. all the disturbance mm -hmm. around you and you like plant your feet, uh, but you don't take any damage from it. Uh, and this like acid, as soon as you enter it though, the acid, uh, both from Dewey's acid spray, uh, as well as this thing's body, like, whips around and starts to hit you again. So just make another con save for me when you enter this thing. Ooh, uh, not enough. I remember it. That's only a 12. So, Dewey, why don't you roll your poison spray damage against Abiku, and I will roll this thing's damage against you as well. Okay. Again, sorry about that. 22 points of poison damage. <laughs> oh, fuck. But you have it, right? You oh have it. Oh my god. Well, I rolled a nat 20 to con save to keep the wind wall up from Dewey's, so I'm still up. 
Oh, thank God. Okay, thank God. The the wind was still up, but you take eleven points because it's half, right? Like as as like the orange oh, acid. Oh, right. Thank Don't you. forget that. You're welcome. The orange acid sizzles against you, but just sort of like this creature, all of you see it sort of like sizzle and then fade against the Biku's skin, almost like she's like resistant to it, right? And I think that's the last of like the orange acid. It's been used up. It like hits a Biku, and that's it, uh, in the swirling wall. But there's tons of this like black, void, empty, nothing oil because uh, this thing keeps producing it. So you are going to take, yikes, I rolled high, uh, also 22 points of poison damage. So that's another 11. So, yeah, I am, I'm just going in. We're, me and Sun, we're going in. Sun's good. Uh, Sun's right with you. You, like, (laughs) jump over V together. Like, both of you leapfrog over V. V, you hear, like, a clattering, clatterings of bones. You know, it's like Sun's, like, form goes over you. And the Sun lands and braces. And, like, you feel, like, Sun's, like, bones, like, knock against your body as they, like, This is one heck of a fight, Abiku. Now let's rip this thing to shreds. Yes, this should be quite fun. And I, I'm going to run up and do some attacks. 24? 24 just misses. Do you want to take the miss? Uh, or do you want to have it hit uh, and let it have a reaction? No, I'll take the miss. I'll, I, okay. can, I can do better. <laughs> okay. Uh, as you charge up, what does the miss look like? Uh, I think it gets knocked off kilter by the wind whirlwind. I think, I think she's trying to like move with like the gusts, right? Cause it's like, it seems continual, but like there's still probably an ebb and flow to like strong versus like low, even though it's really strong. And so she like tries to swing when it like dies down and misses the timing and like, just like gets knocked off center. Mm-hmm. I like that, yeah. Like, the wind takes a minute to adjust to you. You swing your sword, it goes wide, and this thing lets out, like, as it continues to drag its nails, like, on the stone tile toward you. Uh, okay, so t- higher on the dice, which should hit, because 24 just missed. 18 plus 9 is math. 27, that does hit. Okay, cool. So roll damage. 12 points of slashing damage from me. And then Sun's going to try and bite it. Okay, at I'll the top of Sun's, Sun's turn, Sun is also going to have to make a con save against the gross black oil. No, that's a 14. Yeah, that is a failure. So Sun is going to take, yikes, okay, 24 points of poison damage? Yeah, Sun's going to try and bite it. Uh, sun, like, sort of, like, shakes off the acid as it, like, like, kind of, like, because Sun's, like, bones are white, right? So you see, like, bones sort of almost getting painted black on one side by all the swirling gusts of, like, oil, like, slapping into into them. They let on a... And they, like, leap forward and begin to attack this thing. The oil really pissed Sun off because Sun just rolled a nat 20 to bite <gasps> this thing. So does Sun want to take max damage and then roll again or a narrative boon? And a narrative... Uh, the boon... Sun is pissed at being sizzled with, like, poison and acid and just wants to look cool in front of, like, their new friends and in front of you and, like, just destroy this thing that's threatening you. So they bowl this thing over uh, with their narrative boon. They, like, dig their, like, sharp bone claws into its side and, uh, like, bite onto one of its, like, seven necks. Uh, and both Sun and the corpse bolus go tumbling. It gets knocked prone, right? Like, to the edge of, like, the wind wall. It's, like, half in the wind wall, half out, and Sun is, like, uh, 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 like snapping at this thing. So all attacks against this thing are going to have advantage until the start of the next round, so including V. Uh, so what did Sun roll for damage? Double damage. Five is 26 points of lightning, light of lightning damage from Sun's bite. Oh my god, yeah, just lightning sparks from Sun's jaws. Gzz, 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 ah! 
and like they knock this thing down and like sort of push it kind of back away from you, Abiku. And it's like, ah, sun's just like tearing at it, like chunks of it just out. And like, like black, I think blood is just spraying up all over sun and sizzling against sun. But sun doesn't take damage because sun got a fucking nat 20 and it's just, ah, like rending into this thing, like ripping off arms, ripping off legs, ripping off shoulders, etc. Just like trying to get to the center of this thing. I think with that and with how sun knocked it, Abiku will drop, will free action drop the wind wall and just kind of shout back, we have it pinned, let's go. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, so on Abiku sort of shouting at everyone to go while this thing's like pinned underneath Sun, we're going to go now to V's turn in the order. Okay, so V grabs two meteors and she like gets them going, like just put these two little balls of fire in front of her. But first she's going to... Um, in a move reminiscent of Salt Bay, she's gonna like snap her fingers and uh, cast Firebolt for the first time in her life. Like just from the spark, uh, this giant little moat of fire just gonna fly over Biku's head into this uh, creature. So I'm gonna make an attack roll there. So, okay, that one was 27. Not 20! <laughs> Oh my I god. Think that could, I've really what? been risk or reward all fucking night. Oh my god, it's so Scott Renectus of you. Uh, would you like to take uh, max damage and then roll again, or a narrative boon? You know what? I would like to combine bonus action and all this. I think I'm just going to do a narrative boon uh, of just... She does boom, it goes, flies over, and immediately following is like the two meteors. And so it's going to like burn into creature. And let's say it like burns a nice little hole in the gut and like each meteor like sort of like goes in and you just see like an explosion of fire from this creature yeah okay that's awesome roll double dice just from the fire bolt is 32 points of fire damage and then from the other one 16 additional fire damage uh this thing fucking explodes uh, as the firebolts and the meteors crash into it, uh, there's like a moment where it like kind of distends. Is it like almost seems to absorb the fire? Uh, and then like in a cavalcade, uh, in a massive explosion uh, of black goo and fleshy bits uh, and fire and brimstone raining down, this corpse bolus explodes. Uh, and like it's it's like blood splatters onto the walls, you know, like legs and limbs like hit like the stone and then like roll onto the ground and roll off. Sun goes like jumps away from the explosion at the right time and like shakes their head. Like has it still like has like a hand like in their mouth. It's like Aah! before like realizing that the battle's over and they drop it. It left like a huge splatter of just like black gore and blood on like one side of the wall to your right. Right. Like a massive like you just exploded someone right there sort of situation. And there's just tons of limbs everywhere. Uh, and as, like, the final limb, like, rolls down the steps and, like, stops at, like, your feet, Abiku, what do the three of you do? I have a question. Is the blood on any of the pictography that we saw earlier? Yes. All over them. Uh, Abiku will take out her fan, uh, and I will use my wind fan to cast Gust of Wind to blow the gore off of the murals. Ooh. I really like that. I think maybe what this looks like, if, if it's okay with you, is that the remaining wind mm. that's still swirling in this corridor like dissipates uh, poof, like against like the walls and sweeps the gore off. And it just there's like a wet noise as the gore comes off and just slaps onto the ground instead. And like the wind poof, vanishes in like a beautiful single gust uh, from your fan. Yeah, that's much better, yeah. <laughs> I'm just adding on to the spice you've already given us, Abiku. Uh, lovely, I like that. I actually think all three of you deserve at least one point of inspiration for your badass moves during that fight. So you can mark inspiration on your sheets. 
there's like a shing noise as Rev like uh, de-summons uh, Grim. Ugh, that was disgusting. Remind me again why Oka loves doing this shit. Why does Oka like anything? I mean, they just, they really have a thing for blood. I wasn't lying. All right. That, that, was, the one, that was the one at the dinner who got up and ruined it, right? Uh, which, the, which, which one? Which of, one? You said Oka, right? He he was the one. He was like, you knew about the prophecy or whatever, and then stormed out. Yes, Oka was the one who got mad at Doctor Luso. Yes. Oh, okay. But I think they've made it up. I don't. He likes blood. Okay. Uh, Oka actually uses they/them pronouns. <laughs> says says oh. Ref cutting in. <laughs> they like blood. Okay. I did, I only talked to them briefly. I should have asked when I was at the dinner. They were they left so quick. They have strong values, but they also really know what they're talking about when it comes to blood. And I think they've got us soft inside. I mean, we've, we're bath bros. You're bath Beth? bros? Bros? Yeah, we, well, V, when you kissed your long lost ex fiance uh, in front of me without telling me that she had existed because you'd forgotten about her, I got a little upset. Uh, so I took a bath. And Oka was there helping me work through my feelings. You took a bath with Oka? No, not with Oka. That's gross. They cut my hair, actually. They did a good job. I, I remember that. Thank you. Bath bros. Okay. Bath bros. They've got a tender heart, okay? That's what I'm trying to say. But don't tell them I told you that because I think they stabbed me. You are all quite strange. <laughs> Says the person who was gallivanting around with a half-ice elf. Costas is also strange. I'm not, I did not say that my friends are not strange. Welcome to the club, Abiku. All of us are weird. Oh. Yourself included. Kind of the requirement. Abiku goes, is like processing that she's in a club apparently, so the scene can move on. <laughs> yeah, son goes, is there a membership fee? We need can you to, ask we, if we need to pay? Do we need to pay? Do, no, wait. There, maybe is that how that works? A unif- Do we miss a letter? Or is a, there a, a dress uniform? code? Or is there a memo? I think the two of you are just like talking to each other like quietly. <laughs> I think V upon hearing that there, uh, is there members dues fees? It's like, if this was eight months ago, I would have, I'd make them pay. I'd make them pay. All right, enough. I don't want to wait around for this thing to, I don't know, do something horrific like reform. Uh, so let's just get to the bottom of this and... Maybe Karvash's tomb has more monsters we can clear out? Oh, more of them. Is there anything in this room worth looking at, or do we just forge on and keep slashing our way through? Looks like it's mostly just murals. Here. And, like, Rev, like, puts a hand up to where the blood used to be above this collection of loose limbs and hands and whatnot now. And you see, like, yeah, sure enough, the carvings have gotten more intricate. Here you see, like, a village, and it seems to be, like, a village under, like, the yoke of, like, a tyrannical ruler. You see, like, mountains, like, hills rising up, and it seems to be, like, a valley. And I think all three of you think of the valley uh, that this town is in, and it looks very similar. This must be the same exact valley, but, like, thousands of years ago. And you just sort of see, like, the big looming silhouette of, like, a woman with like a crown uh, and like kind of like an evil look on her face like this has to be the queen of the valley the Agon here was talking about uh, with like her hands like splayed over this horizon of just like farmers sort of with hunched backs like toiling under her her tyrannical thumb this must be the story of how Carvach liberated her people from the queen so this was the paragon before Dewey yes just as Pascal was the paragon of the Raven Queen before me, and Ying was the paragon of Scott and Nectus before V, 
Carvach Turai is the paragon of Galtanger before Dewey. A big buff centaur lady, good with a bow. So like the exact opposite of Dewey. That is quite a switch, yeah. What are you talking about? We look exactly the same. And Dewey like poses against the wall. And you see maybe like a village, like a peasant version of Carvach, who even in peasant form, like amongst like all the people who are like under the yoke, like looks really dignified and powerful and strong. Like this, I think a topless woman, you know, like uh, with like the body of a horse and she's just sort of standing strong, like maybe like with like a plow in one hand, really muscular with like big, like like long braids and, and like a tall ponytail, like down her back. And she looks nothing like Dewey. Let's keep moving, shall we? Well, wait, maybe it is like your heart. You think his heart is a muscular, topless woman? No, if his heart was a muscular, topless woman, I would act much differently around Dewey. Um, but maybe you just it's... ignore that? What? <laughs> maybe it's like, you know, like, she helps people, and... You said yourself you want to help people, so maybe it's, you know, it's it's that kind of thing. Maybe it's not just, uh, there's a saying, you don't cover the book. Judge a book by its cover, Abiku. Yes, yes, that one. Yeah, don't judge Dewey, look. <laughs> Somewhere deep inside of there is a heart of a champion. We're just waiting to see it. Should we keep going? <laughs> I'm happy to continue on. Yeah, let's get out of here. Ugh, that thing smells horrible. It's like nothing at all, which is somehow worse than rot. Uh, and Rev, you know, like steps away from like the corpse of this corpse bolus, and the rest of you continues going down the, the tunnel. The rest of the way, until you reach the final landing, uh, is surprisingly quiet. You do see, I think, remains uh, of, I think, several members of the Turai clan. You see like evidence of a fight. And you gather a kind of grisly story uh, that perhaps this creature, this empty beast, was quite small at first, um, but it literally gathered steam as it incorporated more and more people into into its corpse bolus and got like bigger and bigger and bigger, right? Uh, so the corpses were literally the remains of everyone who came down here and was lost. This is quite grim, and it's like settling over all of you. You like notice this happening around you uh, until you reach the final chamber at the bottom of the hill takes you, you don't know how long you've been walking, it's easy to lose track of time in the dark, uh, but at least another 15, 30 minutes. Uh, and then you reach like the final like flight of stairs, you land, right? And the murals, the carvings this entire time uh, have told the story of Karvach Tarai, the story of a mighty hunter and farmer, uh, even before she was the paragon, rising up during the gambit of queens to lead a peasant rebellion, right? Against this tyrannical queen of the valley. And you see like pictures of Karvach like throwing her fist up and like tons of like peasants next to her, like with spears and like pitchforks and like homemade tools and like riding their horses that are usually you know, and oxen that are used to draw, pl draw plows and whatnot, like against the queen's forces and the peasant rebellion being successful. You see like them like planting their flag on top of like a, the bodies of like tyrannical soldiers. Uh, but then like the story turns when the queen captures Karvach and there's like a series of murals where Karvach is just imprisoned uh, and she's like behind bars, right? Uh, and she's just sort of like uh, sitting there, right? Uh, thinking to herself and like the murals sort of like pull in close on Karvach's face uh, until we see like a brilliant... This is like sort of like when we finally enter the, the bottom level. A brilliant ray of light 
uh, and the rays like extend past the hallway that you're in and like into this massive chamber where you see like a sun, a massive sun, the rays of Galtanger uh, at the very back of this chamber carved into the stone wall um, in front of what appears to be a tomb. If you've ever been in a mausoleum, it's like a huge like stone coffin uh, just rising off of the ground atop an elevated dais. Uh, but you know the tomb is just mostly there for ceremonial purposes. It's empty because Karvash's body was cremated. And the sun behind the tomb is glowing faintly, like a faint kind of golden magical light, like lighting up the interior of this dungeon. Uh, and you see so many offerings just at the base of this tomb, like candles, like votive candles and like foodstuffs and coins and gems and like horns and hides and furs and like carvings and just so many treasures here, right? Like beautifully crafted bows even, and like staffs and like short swords and like shepherd's crooks and whatnot, just all sorts of offerings collected over the years. And there is an inscription, a stone inscription at, at the base of the tomb. I'll proceed up to the raised tomb. Dewey, as you walk up the steps, right, and like the like this glowing light from like the sun behind a tomb like falls on you. These shafts of like pale golden light like filtering through like your thin feathers, right? There's a moment where Abiku and V, you look at Dewey like climbing up the steps and it's almost like Dewey's like climbing up to reach the sun, right? As like Dewey's like feathers become illuminated on the edges and you stop sort of at like the base of, of the tomb itself, the foot of the tomb where the inscription is. And you see like a very similar inscription to the one above ground talking about Karvach, like how she was incredible paragon, wielder of sunshot, slayer of the queen of the valley. But something about this inscription calls to you in a strange way, Dewey. So you look at it, it's almost a little bit like you're getting like tunnel vision a little bit. And there's like a force sort of like behind your solar plexus that's drawing you toward this inscription, almost like it's crying out to you, touch me. Dewey reaches out a hand to like, you know the way you like trace over words when you're learning how to read, uh, so you don't get lost in where you're going? He sort of runs his feathered hands over the text. Your hand drifts forward, and as you sweep your hands over the text, the text changes. Almost like a veil of illusion is being peeled backward. And when you finally sweep your palm over, you see the message Carvach left for you. Podcast editing for this episode is by C. Thomas of Okahian fame. Toss them a follow on Twitter at PieSharpArt. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and ExplainTrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out ExplainTrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very very special thank you to our Patreon Paragons, Azura, Brookbright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Slater, Purple Mouse, Scruffesis, and Target.